Those of us who are firefighters and work in EMS are known as shift workers because we work outside the typical hours of 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Depending on how busy our department, our station, and our truck is, the amount of sleep we get is usually in the hands of the fire and the EMS gods. But that doesn't mean that we are totally helpless and can't do something about it. How many times have you heard someone say, Oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Now, how many times have you rolled your eyes at that person who said it? I know I do every single time. I can't understand how people wear lack of sleep as some kind of badge of honor. If they're being productive, that's one thing. But in the instances that I've experienced, people say that it's not the case. They're chugging energy drinks as if they're some kind of on-duty replacement for their off-duty alcohol dependence, which is a whole other topic in itself. However, by continuing to shoot ourselves in the foot when it comes to getting quality sleep, we are running toward burnout and disease. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about how not getting enough sleep is literally killing us and what we can do to help be our own advocates when it comes to getting the quality sleep that we need. Are a firefighter and an EMS professional. You are a part of a worldwide brotherhood of dedicated servants and you put your life on the line every day for others. Because of that, you deserve better. We are often our own worst enemies and it's time to own it. Let's work to improve and change the status quo. That change starts with us, right here, right now. In every situation we're faced with, as we see a need, we own it and we act. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Hey everyone, my name is Ryan Rodriguez and I'm the founder of Ignited and your host for the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. The Ignited Movement is a brotherhood of firefighters who challenge the status quo through a forum dedicated to self-improvement and accountability. In each of these episodes, we discuss a myriad of different things challenging the fire service today, from leadership and tactics to how to improve ourselves physically as well as mentally. We aim to civilize the mind but make savage the body. And even though the focus is on the fire service, topics and principles we discuss can be applied by professionals everywhere. That being said, let's light the spark. Our health and fitness as firefighters tends to be written off as some kind of collateral damage. Something we need to keep in mind is that we have so much control when it comes to our own health and fitness. Cancer and heart disease are running rampant among the ranks, but there are so many things that we can do on our end to help minimize that risk and exposure. Right now, there's a big push for keeping gear and air packs outside of the cab in order not to contaminate the cab. But while that's going on, we're continuing to ignore our health and our fitness. We're also ignoring our nutrition and our mental health. I think it's because A, it's easier than holding each other accountable, and B, it's a quantifiable way that organizations can say, hey, look at us, we're doing something about our exposure to carcinogens. But while the boat continues to sink, we are scrambling to get the water out rather than plug the leak. We are falling into the behavioral patterns that we see our patients in, in that they abate symptoms of their ailments rather than take care of the issue at the source. What I mean by this is when we're on an EMS scene and people ask, 
or, or we ask people if uh, they have any kind of medical history that we should know about, like heart problems, breathing problems, surgeries, diabetes, high blood pressure, things like that. And they say, no. But then when you ask to see their medications, they're on two different ones for hypertension when they just told you that they don't have any medical history. It's at this point that I say, you told me that you don't have high blood pressure. And they come back with, well, I don't. I take a pill for that. It's super aggravating, right? Well, if we become as complacent as our patients who are seeking to abate symptoms rather than eat right and exercise in order to take care of their hypertension in a systemic way that will actually have true and longer lasting effects, then we become victims of our own ignorance. Have you ever wondered why firefighters become statistics to cancer, suicide, heart attacks, and metabolic illnesses? We tend to focus on the tangible external influences that we feel we can control, like decon, clean cabs, and things like that. And we can have influence on mitigating risk with those things. However, the underlying cause is rarely, if ever, addressed. We all know the leading causes of firefighter death are cancer, heart attack, and suicide. However, a growing body of medical research points in another direction, sleep deprivation. For far too long, we've been blaming the fire when the house burns down, but we continue to ignore the arsonist holding the match. The arsonist behind countless firefighter deaths, according to these studies, is sleep deprivation. These studies show that sleep deprivation is directly medically linked to the leading killers of firefighters that I just mentioned. And I'll put links to all the studies that I pulled all the info from in the show notes, by the way, so you can look at those later and read those for yourselves. I've said it before. There are two things that firefighters hate, change and the way things are. And just like there was a pushback when the fire service started making changes and saying that we were to wear self-contained breathing apparatus, there's pushback when it comes to doing what is well within our control to help ourselves when it comes to getting quality sleep. Granted, a lot of people may not know the direct links to the diseases and the mental health issues that we face in general, or specifically when it comes to the importance of getting quality sleep. But that's why I'm here, right? To help inform you and turn a light on to get you to pay attention to those things that have a direct effect on you. Or in this case, turn the lights off, I guess. That being said, let's talk about how getting the proper kind of sleep can literally save your life. I'm going to get a bit sciencey on you here in this episode, so just stay with me because there's a lot of good stuff to learn. Sleep to save your life. Almost 40% of firefighters suffer from a sleep disorder. That's according to a screening of about 7,000 firefighters. 80% of those who tested positive had no prior awareness or previous diagnosis of their condition. 80%. This single study conducted by Laura K. Barger, Ph.D. instructor in medicine at Harvard Medical School, may have saved over 2,000 firefighters' lives. Whether or not you're interested in learning about sleep doesn't change the fact that you are affected by the health-wrecking problem that is sleep deficiency. And just like on a fire ground or EMS scene, once we acknowledge and identify the problem, only then can we formulate a strategy to correct the issue. When we say things like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. We make a joke of our own health and our own lives. It's not a joke that chronic lack of sleep contributes to various biological changes that ultimately lead to disease. Dr. Faith 
Luister, I hope I'm saying that right, I'm not sure, of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine and Sleep Research Society states that, quote, chronic sleep deficiency is causal in the development and exacerbation of cardiovascular and metabolic diseases and ultimately shortened lifespan. By having this conversation and creating a call to action, no matter what your rank is, we are challenging the status quo on how sleep is undervalued in our world of firefighting, and it paves the way for the active things we can do to improve it. While the rest of the world's asleep, we're running 911 calls. That's part of the job, and we all knew that when we signed up. No work schedule will alter the nature of what it is that we do. Nothing's going to change that. And this isn't a debate on whether a 24- or 48-hour schedule is better, and it's pointless to argue factors out of our control like night runs. What is worth talking about is the rising health crisis and spreading awareness that sleep loss isn't something that we can't overcome. There are proven solutions that we can implement within the demands of any firefighter schedule to mitigate the effects of sleep deprivation and improve the quality of sleep we get on or off duty, regardless of how little it is. It's about quality over quantity, right? Step one is admitting that there's a problem. We try to deny it, we make a joke of it, or we are completely ignorant of it altogether. When it comes down to it, we all know that we as humans need sleep. I mean, that's, duh, that's a given, right? To argue that is just ridiculous. And believe me, I've had arguments where people I am in proximity to try and convince me, but mostly themselves, that they just don't need sleep. I already made mention of how running calls at night is a factor when it comes to sleep deprivation. But another thing that hinders us is our culture that deems sleeping as an indulgent and sinful or weak activity. And that's just not true. I made mention of the infamous, I'll sleep when I'm dead statement earlier. But what about those other comments like, I'll be fine with just one more cup of coffee, or I need a rock star or a Red Bull or something like that. I don't drink coffee or energy drinks, so when I hear people say that they need these things, all I hear is that they don't have proper sleep habits and that they're not taking care of themselves right. These drinks are nothing more than diet stimulants, and we live in a culture that glorifies activity for activity's sake rather than actually being productive. There's a big difference between being busy and being productive. Wearing those dark circles under our eyes as some kind of badge of honor is just as ridiculous as washing the rig while it's raining outside, pouring raining, which I was literally ordered to do by a captain at one point in my career, washing the truck as it's pouring down rain outside, simply because that's what we do every morning, we wash the truck. Ridiculous, right? Anyway, Professor Matthew Walker, director of the University of California, Berkeley's Center for Human Sleep Science, states, no aspect of our biology is left unscathed by sleep deprivation. Sleep is the greatest legal performance-enhancing drug that most people are probably neglecting. When you get less than six hours of sleep per night, your testosterone level decreases, your time to physical exhaustion drops by up to 30%, the ability of your lungs to expire carbon dioxide and inhale oxygen decreases, and the less sleep you have, the lower your peak muscular strength will be. And if you don't think you need sleep to be an effective firefighter, you're crazy after hearing all that. I'm not dismissing the fact that other variables like all the carcinogens we're exposed to contribute to our health issues. I'm not ignoring that. However, 
not treating an underlying cause that is directly scientifically linked to being a risk factor for these things that are killing us says a lot about our culture. Treat the symptom and not the disease. Take the pill for your hypertension rather than exercise and eat properly to eliminate it altogether. My goal with this episode is to provide actionable solutions that you can implement right now into your everyday life so you can start moving the needle in your favor. I mentioned energy drinks before, and I understand that when hospitals supply us with this tachycardia in a can, we take it because it's free. And we see it not only as a reward, but something that we need to get by or do our job. This is a lie. Realize that we've been sold this bill of goods, and as a result, we in the fire service alone are expected to profit the global energy drink industry $84.8 billion by 2025. That's where a huge portion of our hard-earned money goes, to energy drinks, something that's contributing to the things killing us off and taking us away from our families and friends. It's ridiculous. The cascading effects of being awake for too long leave our bodies with a lowered immune response, hormones that are in complete disarray, and a cardiovascular system under extreme pressure. Anyone who is an EMT or paramedic will know that these effects accumulate into chronic illness and disease and are a ticking time bomb for how long we will last. Let's focus on the real-life consequences of being addicted to awake. Cancer, cardiac arrest, and suicide. I've mentioned these ailments throughout the show already, but it's for good reason. The likelihood of a firefighter getting cancer goes up exponentially when the individual is sleep-deprived. According to the International Journal of Cancer, sleep-deprived women have a 40% increased risk of breast cancer, and sleep-deprived men have a 50% increased risk of prostate and colorectal cancer. This could be after just one night of sleeping only four to five hours. The body's natural killer cells, the anti-cancer cells, drop in count by about 70% according to this study. When we force ourselves to stay awake, whether it's staying up to watch a movie or scroll through social media, the artificial blue lights, specifically blue spectrum at night, disrupt our hormone levels and cause a serious suppression of our sleep hormone melatonin. Simple, mindful practices of cutting back on fluorescent lights, TV screens, and cell phones can greatly impact our biology. Keep lights dim or use red light during evening hours. It's scientifically proven to help boost melatonin production. Another thing to keep in mind is that when we sleep, we undergo an emotional reset. Just like feeling hangry when you haven't eaten anything, we get cranky when we haven't slept. The REM phase of sleep is responsible for processing emotionally heightened events. Because it is the last phase of sleep that we go through in a cycle, firefighters are susceptible to never entering that stage when running frequent calls at night. That means like every 45 to 60 minutes. As we become sleep deprived, not only do we become cranky, but our ability to make rational decisions slowly turns off as well. Now it's time to get a little bit more sciencey, like I mentioned in the beginning. When the prefrontal cortex switches off, the emotional centers of the brain become deregulated and are taken over by impulsive and irrational behavior. 
This puts a chronically sleep-deprived person at higher risk for suicidal ideation. Michael Perlis, PhD and director of the Pennsylvania Behavioral Sleep Medicine Program, finds that suicides are far more likely to occur at night between the hours of midnight and 4 a.m. He says, Sleep disturbance has consistently been found to be a risk factor for suicidal ideation and behavior. And he goes on to explain that it is likely that being awake at night when one is biologically prepared to be asleep may be a risk factor in and of itself. The risk is that at this phase of the 24-hour day, we all may be particularly vulnerable to catastrophic thinking and low impulse control. Now, what about cardiac issues related to sleep? Studies show that if you sleep for less than six hours per night, you'll have a 200% increased risk of experiencing a fatal heart attack. 200%. Firefighters who screened positive for a sleep disorder were more likely to report having cardiovascular disease, diabetes, depression, and anxiety, and report poorer health status than those who did not screen as positive. Sleep apnea is the primary sleep disorder that firefighters suffer from. In an eight-year period, men with severe sleep apnea are 58% more likely to develop congestive heart failure, which directly links poor sleep to heart health. Weight issues are often cited as a reason for sleep apnea and the need to use a CPAP machine at night. There are a few examples of people who have biological obstructions that ideally they should have resolved through surgery rather than rely on CPAP for the rest of their lives. However, the biggest reason we need CPAP is due to our being overweight. So, what's the answer? You guessed it, proper diet and exercise, right? Something that we should be doing as firefighters in the first place. Another thing that affects us as firefighters is that adrenaline dump that we feel when we're woken up from sleep. And a lot of us felt that during our first years on the job, every time the tones would kick out, and some of us still feel that. One thing to realize here is that that adrenaline dump happens as a result of us being in fight or flight mode while on duty. Have you ever felt that fatigue when coming off duty, even though you may not have had a single call the whole shift? That's because even though we didn't physically run a call, our minds were on high alert and at the ready for 24 or 48 hours straight. In that heightened state, our bodies are producing excess cortisol, which leads to a multitude of free radicals floating around in our system, which deteriorate our vessels and our muscles until we work them out with either physical exercise or the magic of sleep, which helps to purge them from our system. So... How do we fight this adrenaline dump? How do we fight all this cortisol, this high, uh, high alert state with a conscious effort and mindfulness? We need to bring our response from the rear of our brain, from our animal brain, like our fight or flight forward to our human and thought processing brain. We need to consciously control ourselves and turn our reaction into a response turning our sympathetic response into a parasympathetic one. We need to take a moment, take a breath, and relax instead of go, go, go. We're not talking about relaxing the way most people do. A lot of us don't know true relaxation because even when we go off duty, we dull ourselves and self-medicate with lots of alcohol rather than utilizing more productive means of relaxation that would benefit us in the long run. Personally, I get massages, I do yoga, I work out, I go to the movies, 
I read books, and I spend time with my kids playing games. I personally don't drink coffee, I don't drink alcohol, and I don't use recreational drugs. This isn't a judgment, I'm just telling you what I don't do. I prefer to logically and purposefully think through my emotions, navigating them rather than pour alcohol over them to keep them at bay. You'll die faster from sleep deprivation than you will from starvation. We as firefighters put a lot of value on eating. No matter how busy we get, we make sure to make time to sit down and eat. Yet, the first thing that we sacrifice is our sleep. Not only that, when we actually do have time to sleep, but instead power through, oftentimes doing things that would compromise our body's natural ability to sleep, like soaking our system in energy drinks, we set ourselves back when it finally comes time to sleep. So what can we do about all this? I'm not here to just doom and gloom you with all this cancer, heart attack, diabetes crap. I want to be able to give you some actionable steps that we can take toward sleep improvement. So who doesn't want to sleep better, right? Feel better, perform better. I know this has seemed like a little doom and gloom, like I said, but it's something that I take very seriously and I wanted you all to know the reasons why. I've been witness to people treating sleep like something to be shunned or looked down upon. Sleep is not to be equated with poor work ethic. If you're in that mindset, then you're part of the cultural problem. Rest doesn't challenge work ethic. It optimizes it. So what can we do about it? Here are three steps we can take to improve our sleep. Number one, utilize dim or red lights in your dorm rooms and keep lights low during evening hours to help support the circadian rhythm of sleep. Don't go around flipping on every fluorescent light in the station. Keep things chill. Keep it low key. Keep the lights dim. Keep noises down low. Be courteous of your fellow firefighters, right? Number two, as a crew, establish the importance of sleep and ensure a daily rest and recovery time that's dedicated to unplugging, napping, or doing something sleep recovery related. Things like reading a book, meditating, doing yoga, Something that's going to help reset your mind and bring you down to a nice calm state. Number three, every leader, formal and informal, should shift the dialogue and attitude about rest, removing the stigma of it being lazy. I'm not saying that you should sleep your shift away, obviously, but what I am saying is that it shouldn't be neglected for some false sense of bravery or productivity. Being rested optimizes performance and helps us mitigate the health risks of being a firefighter. Healthy sleep habits don't challenge work ethic. They support it. Valuing sleep is not weakness and sleep deprivation is not strength. Challenge the status quo and have these conversations with your crews. If you guys are interested in reading more on sleep and the science behind it, here's a couple books to consider. One's called The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time, by Ariana Huffington, who one thing I recently learned about is that she's kind of rebranded herself as the queen of sleep. And in her book, she shows how our cultural dismissal of sleep as time wasted compromises our health and our decision-making, and it undermines our work lives, our personal lives, and even our sex lives. I haven't personally read this one yet, but I'm adding it to my list. Another one I'm adding to my list is Sleep Smarter. 21 Essential Strategies to Sleep Your Way to a Better Body, Better Health, and Bigger Success by Sean Stevenson. This book is focused on getting a better quality of sleep. Quality over quantity, right? 
I feel like this applies to us as firefighters because during a shift, we may not get a whole lot of sleep. So the sleep that we do get should be focused on quality. He shares a study in his book and goes on to explain how sleep deprivation is one of the most powerful epigenetic triggers. This means that it can activate genes for disease simply by not getting enough sleep, which is why we are seeing a radical increase in heart disease, heart attacks, diabetes, and cancer within the general population, not to mention uh, the specific population of firefighters and EMS workers. One thing I also learned from him is that shift work has been deemed a class two carcinogen by the World Health Organization because the proper melatonin isn't being released naturally in a phase of darkness. So the WHO literally has, has deemed shift work a class two carcinogen. That's crazy, right? I'm not sure how many of you are supplementing with melatonin out there, but this is very interesting to read about and how important it is to allow your body to release and contribute it naturally within your body system. Sleep always wins. If you don't give your body what it needs, then it'll do what it needs to do to survive as long as it can, and finally, it'll crash and burn. Do you want to just survive or do you want to thrive? Our careers are short in the grand scheme of things. Do yourself a favor, do your family a favor, and do what you need to do in order to be around for them. Be conscious in your efforts, pay attention to your sleep habits, and don't for one second think that you're some badass because you'll sleep when you're dead because you'll just be in the grave that much sooner. It's not about your ego. It's about the people you serve and the people you love. Remember, being conscious in our efforts takes time and practice. Just like exercise or learning anything new, it takes conscious consistency over time. I've created a perfect tool to help you become more conscious in your level of awareness and control over your emotions. It's called 12 Days of Kaizen. If you're unfamiliar with what Kaizen is, it's the Japanese term for continual improvement. I'll place a link in the show notes so you can download it, print it out, and spend some time challenging yourself in order to become a more consciously self-aware person. As always, thank you for listening to the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. Please subscribe and share. As we delve deeper into these topics, we can come together and help each other learn and grow. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IgnitedFF. Please feel free to shoot me a message and ask any question you like. I'm building this community for us. One way you can become more directly involved is to join the Ignited Firefighter Podcast Facebook group. This is where we as firefighters and EMS professionals can come together and dive deeper into the topics discussed on the show. We're brothers and sisters, and we need to do what we can to rebuild the brotherhood that attracted us to the profession in the first place. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Ignited.